everybody. Welcome to the 320 Club podcast. Why is it called the 320 Club? Well, 420 was already taken and happy hour is happening somewhere else. We're your hosts. I'm Whiskey. And I'm Rox. What do you got over there? Whiskey. Uh, it's called the <laughs> Pete Monster by the Compass Box. Yep. Courtesy of your wallet and the good graces of your wife. Yep. I, uh, I brought it over here just for you to see if you could handle it. They call it the Pete Monster. Oh, you gotta list, love that sound. Glug, 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 glug. Thank you. That's a healthy dram. We're not using proper Glen Cairns for this, unfortunately, but I didn't want them to break, so I figured these were a little bit more rugged. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers. And Merry Christmas. I'll see you before Christmas. <laughs> so, today in the news, you know what I would thought would be a cold day in hell? Donald Trump got his money for his wall. I'm sorry. $5.7 billion to build a wall. I feel like we need to stop by just oh how brazen that was, how you just started us off like that. Ugh, that was terrible. No, okay, so Trump built a wall. Or he can he can build a wall now. He has the uh, he has the monies to do so. So I figured I figured out when I titled this. How did he get day, the money? A cold day in hell. Oh, <laughs> When the, the Senate and Republicans, the Senate gave him the money to do it. Basically, they pushed back the bill. And Congress had nothing to do with this? Now that's a Democratic yeah. con- Congress? Yeah. Democrat Congress? Well, obviously, they, they, did, they have no effect on this. Yeah, they have no... Because <laughs> I think it would be a bigger issue. So the Senate authorized the money to... This morning, yeah. Paul Ryan came back from the Senate with a bill, the new budget bill, with a list of things that they're going to spend money on. Without it, they're going to shut down government. And uh, President Donald Trump rejected it because it didn't have anything for his wall. He wanted $5 billion for the wall. And he threatened to shut down the government because of it. Exactly. And so they caved, and they're going to give him the money. They're going to give him the money. How much money was it again, sir? $5.7 billion. $5.7 billion. What are they going to do? I'll, build a wall. I'll show you. A, you show me a five point seven billion wall. I'll show you a five point eight billion ladder. A <laughs> <laughs> twenty dollar ladder. Yeah, exactly. You know what we should do now? Raise tariff on steel because they want to build out of steel slats. <laughs> hey, that's a good idea. Just saying. Seeing as how they cut all of our manufacturing jobs through GM, right? Got to yeah. get that bang for our buck. Exactly. Yeah. Steel industry, right? It'd be perfect. <sighs> well, that's how you. I mean, that's how we. Yeah, we gotta be careful though. Isn't that uh, isn't that how wars could be started? By building walls. No. Well, that's one of them. <laughs> well, they did to us. They won the first ones with terrorists. Chinese on also did it, and it didn't keep the Mongolians out, did it? Well, the walls. <laughs> well, it slowed them down. <laughs> but okay. um, yeah. Uh, this is nice. This fire. It's got a it's got a hit, but the heart sharp spike when I sneeze. So you like the you like the peat then? You're okay with it. You know what also be a thought would be a cold day in hell when? Don't be gimmicky. <laughs> well, I'm just playing with it. Just what, to, okay, it's a cold day in hell when. Because you laugh. I'll give it when I'm doing it, you giggle all the way through. Yeah. So it's a cold day in hell when. Okay, today we're going to play a game. On today's show, we're playing a game. It's called A Cold Day in Hell When. Okay. Okay? 
And we're going to talk about all the crazy shit that's going on. And we're going to prelude everything by a cold day in hell. Hey, hey, I like and, that. That's a great game. You know what? And it'll be like Facebook reinvented. We'll call it near real time. Near real time. <laughs> oh, my God. So, or with the, the new... the. Um, when the, the brick and mortar stores, the traditional way of shopping is now called um, offline shopping. You know what? No one's laughing at your dad jokes. Well, that actually, <laughs> you know what? That's on the radio right now. It, well, there's several commercials offline shopping. Offline shopping. And yeah, offline shopping at the bay. Offline shopping. So they're telling people at that- Best Buy. And you know the best part of it when you when you after you pay with your credit card, you get your gift within seconds. <sighs> Cold day in hell. Yeah, it's a cold day in hell. So offline shopping. Who would have thought? A cold, normal shopping, normal people shopping is now called offline shopping. Where online used to be the exception. Now it's the rule and everything else is the exception. This sounds too convoluted, too complex and just stupid. (laughs) But I like the game. I like this game. Okay. I like this game. Let's keep rolling with this game. So it's a cold day in hell. A cold, cold day in hell when Me Too movement uh, affected who gets selected as a judge. Really? Well, look at the Me Too move is now a political weapon. So you had a... Explain. Uh, you, well, think... Um, I know the Me Too movement has been hijacked by different organizations. Yes. For example, like the Democrat Party took it and ran with it. And they basically decided it's like... We're going to hire Hillary Clinton. She's going to be our president because she's a woman. It's like because it's time a woman sat in power. And that was that was the whole point back in 2016 during the election. It was just like, and I thought about that. It's like, no, that's not why you elect someone. You don't elect someone because they fit a category of certain person, whether they're man, woman, uh, whether it's based on race or gender or anything like that. You base it on their competence. Now, I mean, look who they actually ended up going for and actually electing. And I mean, you just look at the example that they provided. I mean, the American people, they've been, I don't know. They're on a weird, they're, they're like they're like in a roller derby or a, or a demolition derby right now. And they're just like, they're trying to be the last car standing. I don't know. It's, it's not just them, but if you think about it, Patrick Brown. What about Pat Brown? He had it was forced to step down. Allegations came ahead. Yes. He stepped down. Yes. And the allegations were never proven. This is true. Political. But it, that was political. Yes, that was political machinations. Yeah. Um, by the op- opposition to try because he was a legitimate. Um, he was a legitimate. Um, what do they call it? Like a threat or an opponent to the Liberal Party. Within Ontario. So let's put this in the, the macrocosm of the world. So we had people I that... I feel like you're trying to set me up here. You said machinations, I'm using macrocosm. Okay. <laughs> okay, you got this weird twinkle in your eye, this shady thing going on. Well, just just think about it. <laughs> so we had the leader of the Conservative Party, Patrick Brown. Yes. Allegations of sexual Me Too movement mm-hmm. steps down. Yeah. Allegations of corruption. Then you go into American politics where similar things are happening. Well, also look what's happening with Brexit in the UK. But that's not really, it has nothing to do with Me Too. Yeah. so It's just, more to do with like independence from the European Union and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, so there's, there's political hype 
turmoil just due to a lot of it's a, our populist movements. Yes. Okay. Yes. So Me Too is a populist movement. Yeah, it's a counter movement to like the populism mm. um, with all this shit going on. Trump getting elected, um, guys like Doug Ford getting elected, um, stuff happening with Brexit. Like there, and even look what's happening in Paris right now with the this uh, this yellow jacket strike. Mm. It's all populist counter movement to left uh leftist control and leftist dog dogmatic uh, control and hijacking of these other movements like me too and all that kind of stuff so at the risk of sounding like a conspiracy person if you look at it's a destabilization of our democracy it's like a lot of the stuff isn't based on fact it's based on innuendo and these things are destabilizing our democracies some of the most long-standing ones Oh, yeah. U.S., France, Britain. So along this, I mean, now talk about Canada in some ways. Yeah. So like people who are key figures in the different, <clears throat> the different political spheres are now being undermined by uh, non-fact-based populist ideologies that are in, uh, causing problems for them to run their country. Now... Like to me, it's akin to like when I picture like the French Revolution and the, the advent of the printing press and the pamphlet wars, and how you know you can use information and misinformation in order to achieve a, an aim. Yeah, same thing's but, happening. But this this is the irony is that this is this is almost like the airplane flying over occupied Germany with brochures fl- uh, flapping out, going you know surrender, you know we're not going to hurt you type type of thing. Yeah. So I don't like. It's a very interesting time in our history when this is going on. It's and a I, crazy period of chaos that we're going through right now. So it's, and yeah, and it's no different than the Cold War. Uh, no, we're not there yet. <laughs> yeah, we are. We've actually been like this for a while. No, uh, I know, I know what you're saying, but your joke. I'm saying we're not there yet with your jokes. <laughs> you have a long way to go. <laughs> okay. Continue. But Cold the, War. I, I think it's, it's, it's an exciting time in history and see how it plays out. And in reality, we all have our own part to play in, in proper information, in getting fact-based information. It's But the problem is, is I think it's even more difficult now to do something like that, to get the facts right. I mean, you just said it yourself. Like when we had pamphlet wars and, and uh, talking about the Gutenberg uh, revolution and all that kind of stuff and the printing press. We're going through basically the same thing right now with online videos. Look at YouTube. Like we've already mentioned it on the podcast before that like all of this information, we, we didn't have the bandwidth for um, for the spoken word or, vision, or just even looking at people. We didn't have the bandwidth to be able to record mm. people for long periods of time um, that we do now. Here's an interesting analogy. You can listen to people talk for three hours on end. Just no edits, no cuts, and just listen to them. Just have them listen to them having a conversation, just like we're having right now. And mm-hmm. tell me that's not like a Gutenberg revolution, totally is. and how we and how we're expressing ourselves, but here's the and how that can be hijacked. Here's an interesting piece right here. So, if there was a man holding a newspaper on the street saying, "Epic Times," 
the crazy times upon us. You're standing on a street corner. You would never touch that newspaper. You just keep walking. You'd say no, thank you, if you're nice, and you'd keep walking. You wouldn't accept a random news piece of newspaper, because why? I didn't pay for it. It's not a trusted source, source, so I don't want it. But online, we're perfectly willing to consume media that has no trusted source. There's lots of clickbait. Because we didn't pay for we it. We didn't pay for it. Because the expectation is, is that because it's on the internet, it, th- it should therefore be free. Right? That, that, that's your ideology. I like, well, no, it's I not my pay, ideology, I, but that's just the way it is. And and I think I think most people, most consumers of content on the internet have been, uh, let's say, um, corrupted by... Um, the likes of Napster and LimeWire and like free downloading of music. And so then that translated into our information must also therefore be free because we can get our music for free. We can get our movies pirated if we want to. I'm not saying we should, but we can we can do all that stuff. Um, and so therefore, it's almost like there's an expectation and there's an entitlement to that. And it's yeah, and, it, and I agree with you. I don't necessarily think that that should be the way. But if we're looking at both sides here, but it is the saying way. if my traditional form of media was entertainment, my tr- and my my method of getting it was free sources. So free sources are for entertainment. Okay, I got it for you. But decision grade information shouldn't be necessarily a free source because when it's free, it, the, the the person who's given to you is no longer accountable. What do you mean by decision grade information? So let let's say I am. Analyzing facts. It's like in the academic sphere, Wikipedia as a source. The reason okay. why it's banned for source because there's no there's no accountability for that information. And the academic community is very clear in most, I would say, most circumstances, is that if information is to be used, is to be um, peer-reviewed, published by a reputable source. And right now there's a whole... Contesting the academic community is actually going after journals that don't actually peer review anything. Well, there's also a bit of a war that's happening in academia as well with peer reviewed journals. That's um, interesting. Yeah. With with all with all the stuff that's been going on in in a lot of uh, university campuses, especially in the arts and humanities, where um, they've been, it feels like they've been hijacked by all these left ideologies about you know everything is about uh the society that we live in in the west is nothing but an oppressive patriarchy and and like they're they're putting these views so much so that there was a there's a couple of guys that i can't remember their names i wish i could i'll have i'll have to look it up um but they ended up creating fake articles that were peer-reviewed and accepted um, within within the academic community, mm-hmm. and they were fake. They were totally bogus and made up, and they did it just as a goof. But they ended up proving that the the whatever whatever academia is doing right now, they're not even backing their information up with facts or anything like that. They're not doing any actual research based on scientific uh, the scientific method or anything like that. What they're doing is they're coming up with conclusions. And then they're building a narrative to fill up, fill that conclusion, whether or not the facts support it or not. Mm-hmm. And that's happening. If that's happening in academia, and then academia is going to go ahead and uh, criticize something like journalism, it's like the pot calling <coughs> the kettle black. Exactly. At this point, and it's terrible. Totally. 
So it's mm-hmm. it's actually it's when when you have it's it's I don't know how, how I can't think of another word other than when you have corruption in journalism, corruption in media, and then corruption in in academia. It's just like you get this sense of doom, like we're fucked, like you know, like we are in such a a, a period of turmoil and chaos like we don't know what is a fact and we don't know what is you know what is is well there's two i i think there's as that's a very good question and a very good comment um but when we say there's a cold day in hell that i will pay for for content there's a consequence to that so because you're right, people, you're right. there's a con and, and you need as a as a society i think we need to there's going to be a correction Okay, we either going to stop this saying we're going to create standards saying if you want to publish it, this is the standard. As there's going to have to be a standard entity that's going to go out and publicly enforce these things. But people also need to be paid. There has to be an incentive for them to do that too, right? That's where that correction comes in. Yeah. Where you we're going to we'll we'll create the uh, whiskey and rocks uh, certification brand and then we're going to sell it. So we will go down and fact check everything. I don't know, but we try. <laughs> We try. We try to be honest. Uh, and that's honestly, uh, that's the thing that I'm most concerned with is whether or not people are honest. But that, that's a little bullshit. Why? Because honesty means shit in the, obser- uh, in the uh, um, objective spectrum. It means something to me. Yeah, well, your heart is really good, but my, my whis- <laughs> this whiskey warms my heart just as much. Yeah. Uh, I think things need to be objective. That's and- actually <clears throat> called acid reflux. It's uh, something completely different. <laughs> You're giving me acid reflux. See, that's how you do a dad <laughs> joke. <laughs> Bazinga. But let, let's let <laughs> fuck off. I interrupted <clears throat> I interrupted your thought process. That's yeah. a point for me. Yeah. All right. Anyway, so where um, were you? <clears throat> I think there's needs to be a legislative body. I think the the us as a people will come up with a correction. There needs to be a legislative body. <clears throat> no, not necessarily a legislative body, but there could be. I don't know if I can trust a government organization uh, acting on behalf of the people, so-called, um, to create legislation um, that would that would govern this and that would uh, create standards and standardize the whole thing. Well, government has an interesting history. So, like with most, like the same thing applies to building code. Okay, and this is where we start getting afraid. So there used to be a government-led entity that inspected the houses that you lived in. Yes. It doesn't exist anymore. Really? They create standards, but now the industry lobbied the government to now self-regulate. No shit. But you're, but it, I had no idea. It scared, that's, that's terrible. That scares you. It does when, scare when we, me. When we talk about things that affect our future, the ac- and here, if we take a step back, academic research funds standards... Looks to support standards. Those standards are inculcated by a government body, which is now self-imposed. Do you see how that yeah, that whole spectrum of research gets fucked up? Yeah, and if it starts, if it gets poisoned at any one point, the whole thing is corrupted. Yes. So why is it so unreal that government actually start registering these things? Why is it so unreal? Regulating these things. Why? Why is it so unrealistic? Well, here's the thing. Um, when it comes to talking about the government, what, like, I have a problem with this is because 
we we talk about the government like it's some entity that like gets some shadowy you know clandestine entity that just governs and dictates all your moves it's like no it's full of people like you and me and people have different agendas and they think certain ways or they think other ways and they're gonna they're gonna create policy and they're gonna regulate stuff based on their agendas yeah provided it's done well and uh, we're you and i are always and provided that it's supported by the people hopefully but this is why i don't like the idea of like you know even any any political party that comes into power having a having a, a majority uh, a majority rule within canada it's just like i'd i'd rather have checks and balances in place to keep the government entity in check um so that way you know if the regulations are too overbearing you know that that become that's checked that that gets you know that gets put in its place as opposed to when you have a majority you know you can just write a blank check and do whatever the hell you want i don't i don't i don't like that i don't like how that how that works out well there's no blank checks i mean there's, there's mandates i'm, I'm using yeah, I, hyperbole but, and metaphor but but here, here we are so now people can create fake journals fake academics fake rules and then we talk about fake news and constantly fake news does exist i don't know if it's you know the major news outlets agree with you fake accounts to spread so misinformation and lies and bots and all kinds of exactly shit. but as long as we sit in a world that um like i'm i am for fair competition on the internet yeah but i mean do we have to take a step back and we talk about the correction does that look like a non-net neutral where anybody can create websites to spread? Well, I like the analogy that you used earlier about like building codes. It's just like when it comes to having a government regulate something, yeah, I think something like that, when you build a building, somebody needs to be in there. It's like, yeah, I'm for fair competition as well. But in terms of when it comes to competition, when you're compute, competing within a municipality, people are going to cut corners. Contractors cut corners all the time in order to get the job done at lower cost, or uh, so that way they can get you know more jobs or whatever, or they can they'll try and do other shit in order to get m- more money that will save them in their costs, but get be, allow them to charge uh, charge their customers more. Mm-hmm. I mean that happens all the time. So I do like the idea of you know you know having a government institution actually regulate that like i i was actually shocked to hear that that is no longer the case that they lobbied and successfully lobbied the government to say uh we need to be able to self-regulate it's like no you do not like that's bullshit so in many respects so you get a building permit there's an inspection on the yeah. end i mean those things still quasi exist yeah and you, you still course. need to go through bureaucratic processes, but nobody's actually going through that house who repre- who is representative of the municipality I know. Uh, and, and actually looking at that shit. I know several court cases are in the go right now where the bill inspector said, yeah, it's approved code, but he didn't actually take the time to do the analysis to make sure that it was correct. But a lot of, yeah, there, there's a lot of things where are, are self-regulated now. Another I remember example. when Mike Another. Holmes was doing shit about that, like back in the early 2000s. And he was just like, he would get physically angry and start smashing stuff around in, in these houses. Yeah. It's like, whoever came and built this, this contractor is a lazy piece of shit. He's a coward. I want to see him so I could beat him up. Yeah, he didn't say those the, things. The, but the, the, the problem with Mike Holmes, he seems like a good guy, um, but he doesn't declare his biases in the front. 
What's that? He doesn't declare biases in the front end. He doesn't declare biases on the front end. Because he promotes products. Well, you have to. I know. But he promotes products, building products. So? So he complains things are bad. Meanwhile... And then he'll go and use DeWalt tools. Oh, his products that he prefers... But there could be equally products that are equally across. That's there's some biases there with sure. my homes, okay? You can't in any industry, you can't not have bias. You hate it when I use double negatives. Because <laughs> I don't know what you're trying to say. The point is is that we need inspe- inspectors that of any particular purpose needs yeah. to be unbiased. Because he's supposed to look after the people. Yeah. Well, that's supposed the, to be that the, is a bias and to look not, after the people. And not just the individual contractor, not necessarily the person that's currently owning the house. He's looking after the future peer person that owns that house. Yeah. Because people forget when we talk about building inspectors, who, you know, well, I, I'm the homeowner and I only want to buy this. Well, that yeah, house is going to last 40 a, years. Yeah. You're going to live there for five. That's who, a very selfish thing. Who are you screwing in the back end? Yeah. That's what I'm getting at. It's, I know, yeah, I see what you're saying. So when we talk so, about cold day in hell, yeah. a cold day in hell, when we look at regulated internet. Internet now, if you're going to put stuff on the internet, we're going to, internet is not going to be a trusted information source like it's supposed to be. Then so right we now, need to have internet that's, an, we have need to create an environment. If we can't create an, an environment, um, so we have the dark web, which, quote-unquote dark web i would argue that the dark web actually is the internet completely have you ever been to the dark web listen man i, I don't grew, I, I i wouldn't even know how to look <laughs> listen i i grew up in the uh, the 80s and 90s the, my original internet was technically the dark web okay <laughs> so all the way up into like 2000s that was my playground but <clears throat> so i've been places <clears throat> okay um the the point is is that if we're going to talk about if we can't create the current internet as the the trusted source of information, maybe we need to create a new internet. Maybe it's a sub-internet. Where everybody that's on the internet is a, a valid subscriber. They're going to adhere to a code of conduct. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to defend. I don't know. Because... When it comes to like, but we, we, I, I understand the importance of treating inf- all information equally, because that was the whole premise behind net neutrality, wasn't it? No, Is that was, all information is to be treated inf- equally. Yes, but, but what was happening with net neutrality is, let's say I was Bell, and I had some preferred clients. I could give them full. Don't screen. even get me started on telecommunications okay. companies. But that's what it was. So my telecommunication provider, which is providing the internet, they uh, run shit like the mafia. So what they did, what they could do is they could throttle them. So you could, um, so you could throttle them. So I could create an advantage one company against another company. But let's say I'm Netflix versus Crave, for example, or Hulu versus Netflix. So, am I going to charge uh, charge Netflix, or because I'm Bell and I own Crave, I'm going to throttle Netflix? Yeah, and that's actually companies have actually done that. Uh, There's a few American companies that did that. I can't remember the names. It was like maybe was it Verizon? 
might have been one. It was one of them. I can't remember. Uh, AT&T, maybe. Um, but the idea was, yeah, no, they, they run shit like the mafia. And it's not even that. It's like they, there's no, it's not exactly fair competition between those telecommunication companies. Just to take a look at Rogers and Bell as an example. And I've already provided that example before. Is uh, they, they set little territories. They run shit like a mafia. It's like, you stay out of my territory, I'll stay out of your territory, and then we'll all increase our, we'll all increase our, our uh, costs. Um, we're going to bundle everything, so everything you have to buy has to come to bubble. You don't need a goddamn landline for your phone. Nobody uses a, uses a, a regular phone and uses those phone connectors anymore. Like, you don't need that. Most people don't need television because everything gets streamed off the internet anyway. But they force you into these packages, and then when they do, then they basically all do the same thing. So nobody's competing to say, "Hey, we're not like the other guys. We're just gonna, we'll just provide you, uh, we'll just provide you internet because that's really it you as the consumer is actually looking for. Um, we're just gonna do the same thing as the last guy. And if you're a new guy and you actually know how to be an ISP, you're just gonna, you're you're gonna come an internet service provider. Sorry. Um, if you want to be a new guy on the block, you still have to go through those people because they own all the towers, they own all of the connections, they know they own all that shit, and so you have to pay the piper in order to be able to cross the bridge. Yeah, I mean, it's it's yeah, corrupt. I, 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 it is corrupt as fuck. Well, no, hold on, and hold, the government on, needs on, to on, step on, in and prevent that monopolization. Like that's what that's where government needs to come in and actually sort that shit out. Well. Why don't you work in this a little bit? This, it's an interesting situation. Um, so when you say it'll be a cold day in hell. It'll be a cold day in hell when, when I can just have to pay for a fucking internet usage and data no. plan rather than a data plan, cable plan, and uh, and a telephone connection at the same time. So CRTC did rule that businesses can't operate and lease these things. Okay. So Freedom Mobile being an example of a cell phone carrier. <clears throat> but then there's this weird relationship. So if I'm CRTC and I got to figure out a way of issuing licenses for uh, spectrum. So if anybody understands radio spectrum, um, there's only so many frequencies in the world and they're all allocated pretty well. Every single one of them is, is all allocated to something. Right. When they come available, what happens is, a particular segment of that allocation becomes obsolete and that technology is returned. It'd be like um, an example would be, I think it was uh, television used to, when they broadcast over the airwaves, well, because they went to HD and, and a different frequency band, they were only required a certain amount of channels because not everybody was using them anymore. Okay. So for some of them became available. Now, let's say some of these operate where cell phones can, can operate. So some of that band is available. So how do I put that on, as a government, how do I put that on the market? You're kind of losing me. Okay, Sorry. So, so cell phones operate at a, at a special band, right? Okay. You and Bell, me and Rogers, can't operate in the same frequencies. I see. Okay. Okay. So I need... I need to get that to the market. I want to give it to the market so the market can make use of it 
they can make money. When they make money, they pay taxes. So it's, it's no good to anybody if it's unused. So why can't the government just say, hey, well, I guess they can't because then you can't just have one frequency. Well, I, I, have, a, I have a frequency. Some people already have frequencies. So people are already offering. Bell and Rogers are already operating. How do I bring that to market? I don't, I don't know. You tell me. Okay, so, so CRTC auctions <clears throat> it off. CRTC auctions the frequencies off. Yep. That's how it works. So if I auction it off, I'm a big five. I don't want to keep out the competition. Okay. So I'm gonna raise. I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep bidding until I get it. The problem is when you. It's a bidding war. It favors the big players. Yeah. So the little guy is. But on the same side, CRTC has the due diligence to make it, make the maximum return on these issuing these frequencies to the government. This business shit loses me all the time. Well, no. <laughs> well, think about it. So how am I going to get to the market? So the, the CRTC says, well, I have this asset and I want to sell it to the commercial industry. The, the people would be pissed off if I just gave it away. Yeah. Okay. And if I just gave it away, Bell and Rogers saying, hey, listen, I had to pay for it last time. This is unfair practice. This shows favoritism. Well, it's not favoritism if you have auctioned it off. No, it, they cannot just give it away because other people have already paid for these things, so they can't just give it away to a third-party provider. Right. So the only thing left is to auction it off. So but still, you still run into the problem. It's like only the people who have the money to pay for it, and you get into a bidding war, so then it... It's the less, least of all the evils. It's the least of all the evils. Um, On the same side, you have... You to know what it. Germany did after the Second World War? Ate a lot of borscht? That... Um, I'm talking West Germany specifically. Um, they invented a, um, there's this, I can't remember his name. He, uh, he came up, this, this fellow came up with a, a new economic policy or an economic theory and he called it social market economics. You've probably heard of it, I'm sure. And the idea was that the government would, um, they would prevent monopolies from big corporations and allow small businesses to thrive by, you know, providing bonuses and all that kind of stuff. I can't remember the exact detail, <coughs> but the the idea was um, that because monopolies were prevented and because there was there was forced competition towards those corporations. Now, this is mind you, after the Second World War, I think people were a little bit more honest. I think dishonesty in business came a lot more like more prevalent it's always been there but it's it became a little bit more of a thing in the 70s and 80s especially in the west like with the way that uh capitalism brought about like there was no no regulation whatsoever and people created monopolies anyway and that happens all the time i don't know where i'm going with this but the idea was that um they would prevent monopolies from uh big companies um, controlling certain markets or whatever. And then the little guy would be allowed to thrive. Uh, and so what happened was their entire social class all elevated over like a five, 10 year period. So those who were in the lower middle class went to upper middle, middle class and then it had like a kind of a cascading effect. And it was of great benefit to all those, all those people. It was, it was something that the government actually did that was for the people 
but supported businesses of all kinds, big business and small business. We already have that. We have that in North America, too. We have the Anti-Competition Act and Antitrust Act. Yeah, we but have we have lobbying. Yeah, so do they. You think it's un- if it's not happening here, if it's if it's happening here, it's not happening somewhere else. No, for sure it is. Uh, what was that famous guy? They need to just outlaw I think lobbying. At the same time, uh, what's his name? Facing extradition. Oh man, it starts with an M. Anyways, he was a, a bribery and public officials and the whole thing and with the Canadian government. I think it was with Jean Chrétien knew him. Minsk, I want to think his name is. Um, yeah. So I, I keep thinking of. Conrad Black. No, no. But that's the something pre, different. Pre-com that Conrad Black problem era. Problem era. Yeah. But I, I think something missed. Um, anyways, yeah, we have those things in Canada. The rise of the middle class happened in Canada too. Um, what we're seeing now is a decline in the middle class. Um, even though we're spending more time with our kids, I would say there's a decline in the buying power and the quality of life of the middle class. I would see that we're seeing a huge decline in education, um, and right now we're we're tied between these ultra conservative movements and these ultra liberal movements, and people aren't seeing the lines in between. No, well, sensible people aren't speaking up, and I mean that's what sensible sensible people do. They don't they don't talk, they don't make noise, they don't. They don't go around and and shout things. That's what that's what nonsensible people do, and nonsensible people get involved in ultra right or left wing politics. Like it's like you know. It's like the link we were showing earlier about how, um, how ultra ultra right only read ultra right things, and ultra left only read ultra left things. So we're in this situation where yeah, there's a middle ground, and if you think about it. That's a bit of the role of the academics. But it's funny. They're the when majority. When you publish a paper and there's a group of people going, did you read anything else? Did you, If you did this, did you read anything? What would happen if you didn't do how, it? How about this? Did you leave your echo chamber to go and actually experience something, some other aspect of life? Did you actually go and work a day or you know a couple weeks in, a, in an assembly line job? Did you actually go... And see what it was like to, to be part of the working class, to, to actually inform your, your position. Did you actually go and do that? Or did you just stick around sipping your fucking Starbucks and then, you know, basically swallowing each other's spit and like in this echo chamber that you've created amongst yourselves? Like, seriously, I hate, I can't stand it. The images are so vivid. Um, it's like they smell each other's farts. <laughs> yeah, and I and I and I, I think people need to say is that there's other things out there. Yes, I only I only pay for the Economist. I'm sorry, um, but I pay for news. I, I pay for the research and understanding and a balanced opinion. I ch- I try and go for a balanced opinion as much as I can, but I like it free because I don't like spending money on things. You know. So I'll I'll read articles except and for I'll, whiskey. But what's that? Except for whiskey. Well, I like you want to spend money. Well, okay. Here's the thing about whiskey, is you don't have to spend money on good whiskey. Now, something like uh, something like this is probably it's under a hundred dollars, right? In okay, in Ontario dollars. <laughs> so it's basically like friggin' made up inflated monopoly money, kind of like the uh, what is it the, the Cuban convertible peso. <laughs> Did you know 
here's here's something how we get <coughs> screwed over is uh, did you know that for every uh, for every imported uh, liquor that comes into Ontario, um, they charge fifty eight percent on it. So you spend uh, if you purchase a dollar that a bottle that is valued at a hundred dollars, you will spend one hundred and fifty eight dollars on that bottle. That is crazy on the taxes that they imp- on import taxes. It's nuts. So. For those who are on the thrifty side looking for a very decent scotch um, that uh, is imported but is like $30, it's not easy to find at the LCBO, but you can go to your local LCBO and you can ask the, across the counter and ask them to order it in for you. Or you can order it online. I highly recommend this little baby right here. This is, we've already mentioned it uh, before, this is Gordon Graham's Black Bottle. Delicious. It's a blended scotch, but it's excellent. And it's like $29. Anyway, I got well, a serious squirrel chase there. <laughs> so we're talking about tariffs and importation. <laughs> so a cold day in hell. Yes. When we talk about dairy imports and we're talking about protecting. So it's interesting if it's it suits the common person, then you're like, tariffs are bad. Import duties are terrible. We spend so much money on getting that stuff in. Well, you have... The point is you have access to it, okay? So no one said you could not have access to it. The second piece is the local stuff is cheaper, so we're protecting the local man. So which one becomes more important? I think you need, we need to evaluate what's more important. The local man needs to be, needs to be protected, mm-hmm. right? Those craft breweries that are making all those excellent beers. So on the second side of that is that how do you protect a startup? How do you protect a startup? Yes, but because all the other guys are well-established, it's been around for a couple hundred years. We're a small country. We're a younger country. So when we want to talk about starting up businesses, we have to compete with the guy we've been doing it for years, has perfected his recipe, has the distribution system, and has the production capacity to destroy you. You make an excellent product. You just have to get good, son. You make an excellent product. You hopefully it's good enough and people buy enough of it that you end up getting bought out by one of those other big companies. It happens all the time. Look at Rickards. Yes. Rickards Red. Uh, was it you that was telling me? Yeah. No, no. Somebody else was telling me. Rickards is actually a very um, unique case because they were one of the first um, to be bought up. And basically, uh, the guy who sold the Rickards brand... I don't know who owns it now. I don't know if it's Molson or who who owns it. It might be Molson. I think we talked about it and I forgot already. Anyway, um, the guy who sold records, um, I think he, I don't know. He basically, he's still making all kinds of money off it. I, okay, I could be very wrong royalties, about all this. Yeah. He's making serious royalties off of it. And he just wants to go and continue making the beer just like as if it's a hobby, but he's getting paid serious cash to do it. Mm-hmm. So that's all he wanted to do. You would never ever get a deal like that if you were like uh, one of these other small craft breweries. Like I don't know what's a what's a pretty famous one in Ontario. Steam Whistle is one, but I think they got bought it. Well, we talk about Moosehead. Moosehead's still independent. Are they really? Yeah, that was my correction. Is that they're independent? Are they? They're based out of Guelph, aren't they? Moosehead? They're Eastern. Yeah, I can't. Or was it Keith? Can't remember. Keith. Well, Keith is Nova Scotia. Yeah, I think Keith is still independent. They're still independent. 
Moosehead? Yeah, I got one I got mixed up. I have to look it up. Anyway. One of the two. But one of them is still independent. Like I, I had it wrong in our first podcast. Shout out to Guelph. Holla. <laughs> Only because you went to school there. Yeah, I did. I love it. It was a great place to go to school. Um. Anyways, so back on our... Why do you think I'm wearing this plaid shirt that you told me to purchase? <laughs> You're very Canadian. Yes. Yeah. Um... So we talk about uh, a cold day in Halloween. Uh, so interesting thing is, you know, we talk about political bullets and we talk about, um, uh, and, and I want to touch on it in Me Too, uh, a bit about it with the Me Too movement. And I want to talk about the dangers. And I don't want to talk about that because uh, it's too cold outside. Ha 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 ha. Wow. Oh, man. And I want to talk, because we talk about political things and things that we think would never happen. Yeah. Um, so, in some ways, we talk about weaponization of sexuality. But Weaponization of sexuality? Sure. Jesus. The femme fatale gets them to do things. Tomahawk but, missiles over here. But I, I don't want to... I I, I'm saying, look, okay. You know, there's, there's, there's that piece. And I want to separate it. You know... Women can do their thing. Men can do those, their thing. But when we talk about due process and moving into the court of public opinion and things that I never thought see happen. And I want to say is that, you know, if you've been wronged um, and you're a victim of something, uh, report it. Okay. And I'm all for supporting victims. I'm going to stop you right no, no, here. I'm finish. Let me finish my thing. <laughs> I'm all because this is a big long introduction. So, yeah. Anyways, I want to support people who are you know victims. When we talk about um, the weaponization of victims to try and uh, achieve particular aims, really concerns me. So, in some of the stuff that's going on in the news, okay. so when 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 you've been wronged, okay, you're a victim of something. You seek some sort of form of justice, okay? Mm-hmm. If you don't want justice, you usually, be, and you don't want to pursue the matter, you want to let it go, which, which is for some people that suits them. Other ones, they want to seek justice. Yeah. Okay. okay? They want the person to account for what they did, and I think they want they want accountability, and I think that's important. Yeah. <clears throat> so. What's happening is, and I want to talk about maybe the Kavanaugh incident, is delicately again. Like, so I, again, I support victims. Okay. Can I can I stop you real yeah. quick? You're not allowed to talk about this because we don't have representation from uh, from a female here. Uh, I don't need to because men can be <laughs> victims as well. Oh, how dare you? How dare you? No men are wick- victims. I, I can't even say that with a serious face. So men can be victims, and I thank you for bringing that up. And we have to we have to believe all victims, by the way, too. You no, we it. no we don't. Okay, good. I'm glad you're on my side. No, <laughs> but everybody can. Everybody has a chance to make a statement, okay. and everybody has to prove to prove the case. Okay. I agree. I'm just trying to bring a little levity to the whole. No, thing. I love it. I love it. Okay, I, good. I'm trying to be delicate here because I don't want to. Again, I support people who have been wronged. Okay. For sure. But I think there needs to be due process. But what's happening, the, the, the part I want to bring light to is when people bring it to the court of public opinion and an interesting thing happens. So one, the victim or the alleged victim 
because we're talking about due process now, yeah. gets their, their state. <clears throat> when you're on the defensive and you're the accused, not the convicted... It turns you out, have, nah, uh is not a defense. <laughs> touche, sir. Touche. So they don't get they don't get the same fairness to bring it up, okay? To argue their side of it. But what's really interesting that happens in the court of public opinion is the dissatisfaction for the victim. So when you you, you say. Okay, the, the, the victim goes, okay, this happened to me, and, and it, it was wrong. It's wrong on so many levels. And I'll be like, okay, let me hear what they have to say. On the other side is that you have the, the, the accused, and he goes, well, I didn't do it. And this happened 30 years ago. Okay, got it. So interesting fact is, one, the person doesn't get to represent himself in the proper of a fair court okay the objective process so we talked about earlier of going through court evidence jury the peers beyond a reasonable doubt that doesn't happen why because it's beyond the statute of limitations it no longer really matters ah, okay so if the person wanted yeah, yeah. if the person wanted justice for those who don't quite understand what uh, statute of limitations is because i actually became educated on this a couple of years ago um, can you, you want to quickly explain what that well, means? It's, it's basically what most people know what it means, but for those who don't. So for certain crimes, the statute of limitations, the court is willing to hear it, um, has a, a finite shelf life. Yeah. So, so for murder, it's indefinite. So that's why you have the cold case files where people go back and try and find murderers, uh, based on new evidence, new techniques for discovering evidence. <clears throat> what about for theft? Theft, depending on what it is. I, I don't, I'm not I'm not a criminal expert, but if it's white collar theft and you stole tons of money from the government, <coughs> it's indefinite. <laughs> so they yeah. want their money back. Talk about CRA, but yeah, yeah. I think there's legend, there's different <laughs> levels of crime. Um, but if you owe them money, or sorry, if they owe you money, you'll never hear about it. <laughs> there's another segue I was going to go into, but so, so so my main thing is it'll be a cold day in hell when the government gives me money that I'm owed. So anyway. when, when something's 30 years old and you're using it to weaponize it, to devalue someone's character, but not giving them a forum to defend themselves. So by making an allegation that is so old, you've taken away the, the ability for a person to defend himself because he's the accused. Okay? And then you take away the mechanism for the balance, or sorry, not the balance of probabilities, but beyond a reasonable doubt to convict him. Okay, but what if you're Bill Cosby and you're a, like it's determined you are a goddamn predator, and like you are you are dangerous. He like somebody said it in it was some uh, it was in might have been in Twitter or something like it's like he might be the most uh, uh, he might be the biggest serial rapist of all time. Weinstein's still in court. Well, Weinstein's <laughs> still in court. And there's the, the, but they're like, we're comparing apples to apples here. Like they're both, they're both predators. They're both maniacs. Like as far as we, under, like it came out that um, it was written into legal contracts uh, with Weinstein, like that he was able to do the shit that he was able to do. Like that, that was, that was pretty, like Sick. it's, it's pretty. Sick. Yeah. Okay. 
I I get you know we shouldn't condone witch hunt and we shouldn't condone um, uh, you know uh, Spanish inquisitions and we shouldn't do that. We should follow due process and yeah, absolutely. The due process will take care of whatever it is he's done. But man, like you know, uh, I think Dave Chappelle put it best when he was talking about Cosby. He was just like you know I understand there's due process, but and you know there's like he said there's like there's like 56 56 women who claim made a claim against uh uh against cosby he's like you know i understand due process but it looks pretty bad you know i'm not laughing at the rate but i mean but that's yeah, the I mean, that's, it, that's it, the it, idea and there are recognizable predators out there and it's abs- that's absolutely true but here's the thing should all men be put under that microscope. No, because there is people. There are people hide who are trying to hijack the Me Too movement, and they're using that as an exa- as a case. When they say, "Believe all women," when they say things like uh, some of these more extreme cases, and they, granted, they are extreme cases, they'll go out and say, you know, men are pigs, and like there's there's no such thing as a good man, and it's just like, well, I've. I don't know if I know that. Like, I don't. I don't know if I believe that, and I don't know if that's the uh, if that's if that's true. Grant, there's there's definitely some pigs out there, but there's also some. I, I it's just shitty people. There's a spectrum of all kinds, yeah, all genders and non denom non binary genders, and so you know, people are people, and that's the point I want to get at. Well, so, there's two genders. <laughs> there's two sexes, multiple genders. Yes. Okay. Right, gender is a social construct. Right. Okay. Just let just let it. I, and, and for me, my view on it is, is let people be people. If you want to be called Joe, or you want to be called Joseph or Josephine, I don't Josephine. Yeah, I, whatever. Or Josephina Joe. I, I, like I don't care. Or Billy yeah. Bob Joe. I don't give a shit either. I, I, I no, care. I get it. I understand. There's a spectrum of human being. Yeah. And the spectrum is there. You know. There can be very masculine men. There can be very feminine females. And there can also be very feminine men. And there can also be very masculine females. There's a spectrum. Who cares? Who cares? Exactly. If you wanted to go to body mod- modification that extreme, I don't care either. It's Who like, cares? Now I will interact interact with you as respectfully as I I would just how. caution you that surgery, I mean, Jesus, and especially for these parents who are putting their kids on fucking... Uh, Oh my God! They're the, what do they call it? The hormone therapy and all that kind of stuff, and they're doing that shit to their kids, like and 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 saying, uh, "We're not calling them anything. We're just referring to them by impersonal pronouns until they decide what their gender is." I'm just like, "Holy fuck! Like, is this is this real? Am, are we living in? Are we actually living through this right now?" Uh, parents have been some of the most outrageous victims of their own kids, or. Impose or cause their kids or victimize kids, kids have been some of the most outrageous victims of their idiot parents. Exactly. So, but going back is anyway when you start <laughs> coming back from this long tangent. I know I, I got lost there. Thank you for pulling me out of that ditch. <laughs> so when you wep- when you weaponize politics and you weaponize se- sexuality, <clears throat> you weaponize victimization of sexual acts. We talk about um, things that were never proven in court. Things were backed down, like uh, Patrick Brown resigned of the Conservative Party in Ontario. Yeah, and then we got Ford. You, you know how much I like Ford. 
I, I know. I know how much you like Ford. Well, uh, anyway. So I'll maybe just, just wrap it up saying, like, due process people, evidence-based reasoning, sound logic, reasonable conclusions, beware of false dichotomy. It isn't guilty or not guilty. I think there's a spectrum of things that need to happen. Be aware of false dichotomy? Yeah. Okay, you're going to have to explain that one. Try to sum up. <laughs> I know. Beware of just because there's not always the illusion of two choices. Yeah, not everything's binary. Okay, I get it. Okay. Like genders. T ties into your genders. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Screw you, man. Hey, you know what? Um, and beware when when you're trying to be when people are when false dichotomies used very often to try and manipulate you. Okay. And it's probably a good uh, segue for my lo logic fallacy of the day. False dichotomy. Okay. Um, and remember, too, is that if the criminal avenue fails, if you're like, oh, man, um, you know, they're not going to charge him because there's not enough evidence. The civil courts. So if he, for example, Bill Cosby, he, he knew what he was doing. He had a reasonable due care when he had minors or pe younger people in his house and he had a reasonable care to look after him and ensure there was safety so civil proceedings could have brought back and and, and gone through that process so that the courts are set up to be as fair as possible and with a balance of looking these rights okay um the laws of land prevail if we're looking at trying to uh make systems more fair well that's the political system that sets laws that the courts impose, okay? Um, so it really comes down to is getting out and vote. Vote with the right information, okay? And if you're not sure, get involved and talk to your local politician. Talk to your MPP. Get your views known because lobby groups are already doing it. So if you don't, guess who's the only one person talking in the room? That, I think that is a good place to wrap it up. But I think there could be a part two associated with this because I have questions for you. But we'll, uh, I think we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up there. That's a good place. So I've been Rox. And I'm Whiskey. Thanks, everybody, and have a good weekend. Hey, everybody. Rox here. I just want to take a moment of your time and shamelessly ask that you like and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your weekly dose of Whiskey and rocks. We're currently on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube. We're continuously looking for more ways to expand. As well, you can help us out even more if you write us a review on Facebook, tell all your friends, and even get involved in the conversation. Thanks again for listening, and stay tuned for more 320 Club.